morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. I'm Mark Herbal. I'm Patrick Dodd. And today, joining us, friend of the pod, our Director of Agile Operations for SAP Concur, Teresa Kramer. Teresa, hello. Hello. So today, we're going to talk about what is leadership in an Agile organization? And of course, we're going to start with the leader. Teresa, what is leadership in an Agile organization? Oh, good question, Brent. Um, I, for me, leadership in an Agile organization is less about Agile specifically and more about the characteristics of leaders in general. Uh, if we set Agile aside and talk about um, leaders owning the system, and I don't mean the technical system, but the, the ecosystem that our employees work in, um, and really creating the space for people to do their best work. I view that as, from my perspective, that, that is successful leadership. Um, being there for your people and really meeting them where they are and understanding their um, pains and, and what's keeping them from doing a great job is what I view to be the, the role of the leader. Right on, Patrick. Well, this is something I'm actually uh, really passionate about because there isn't a lot of mention of leadership or management in the Agile literature. It's all very much team-based. And um, where, where I see the easy answer as being is uh, an Agile leader is somebody who is a command and control and who lets the team or the group or the department or whatever self-organize. But uh, this easy answer often leads um, from what I've seen into the anti-pattern of abandonment where, you know, somebody will just say, oh, just go and self-organize and I'll be over here doing this other stuff. Whereas <laughs> there's, there's much more to it than that. Um, I see good agile leaders as being multipliers and to go along with Teresa's point, good leaders just in general, um, leaders should be vision holders. Um, good leaders, compel people to follow them without having to use authority. People naturally want to follow them. And, um, and good leaders are invested in making uh, people who they're leading better versions of themselves versus just abandoning them to self-organize, <laughs> as, as some people say. So that's, that, that's my philosophy on that. Yeah, building it's more about authentic authority than the assumed authority that I think a lot of people fall into to the trap of when they either move into a leadership role or it's possibly a philo philosophical um, stance that they take in, in the way that they view leadership. Um, but to your point, Patrick, it's, it's really about getting that authentic uh, authority and having people want to buy into what you're doing you can't force people i mean you can force people to do things but it's not going to be as meaningful and rewarding for the individuals in those roles and you'll likely see attrition if you try to force people to do something that they don't believe in that's mark sorry mark one of the things that i i think leaders sometimes don't want to do is to challenge people that they work with to do better which is, you know, that would be telling them what to do. And yet, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you, I want better, let's say. Working with you, let's figure out how to do a better job. Like, do we, do we really believe that this is where we want to go? But to be able to push people and 
back to Teresa's point, you know, if people understand you as truly lead and, and you're willing to be there to help them through it, they're more than willing to rise to the occasion. It's, it's kind of like two sides. If I go kill myself to help you, and then you as my lead don't do anything to, to you know, help me realize that, then I feel like that was a waste of time. On the other hand, you know, not giving me any direction or anything else, I, I don't have anywhere to go. But if I believe you're going to help me and then you ask me to rise to the occasion, then that's kind of the equation that works well for me. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff I was thinking of at the time that we were talking and I've completely forgotten it, but keep going. <laughs> well, I think, I think Mark, well, I had a question. Thing. Sorry. I had one question if I don't mind. Okay. Uh, I don't have an answer to this, though. I think I have an answer, which is in an organization, can you have potentially not great leadership and still undergo an agile transformation? Ooh, everyone takes a big deep breath over that one. <laughs> That's a really good question. I'll start. Yeah, those, I I'll start say with I had any answers. No, that's fine. I'll start because I think uh, I think an organization can have one without a strong leader at the top if they are engaged. If they're not engaged, then yeah, you're going to have a challenge. But if you, if your leadership is engaged. They don't have to be strong. They have to trust in the team and they're either going to find out that it's going to work for them or they'll squash it like a bug, you know, but I think you have to give them the opportunity to fail. And I think that's where leadership kind of gets in the way is that they don't, if they don't give the opportunity to fail and fail fast and learn from their inspect and adapt and learn from all of that, then it goes sideways in a hurry. I think that it depends on the particular dysfunction of the ineffective leader. Um, Fair enough. I, I think that if there's a, uh, if there's an absentee leader, then sure. Um, and by, by the way, when I say this, I'm referring to a leader who is in management because if there is an absentee management person who's gone, then a leader will rise up having a different position. They may be an individual contributor, but they're an agile leader and, and they can rise up and, and drive change. Um, if the particular dysfunction is um, a bullying culture or command and control, it's, I mean, anything's possible, but I, I don't think it's likely that you're going to have a big agile transformation in that kind of culture. Yeah, I would say the sustainability, you might have pockets of teams that are able to make things work, sort of. Um, but the sustainability of that is highly dependent on the culture of the organization. And that, that culture <clears throat> is, is, isn't something you can tell people, this is our culture, we are now a learning uh, culture, that, that's something that has to be modeled in the behaviors of the leaders in the organization. And whether or not they buy into Agile, if the behaviors that allow for agility to grow and expand across an organization aren't present, I would say at best you're going to have mediocre results in any transformation. When you were talking, I was reminded of a story years ago. I went to the pastor of my mother's church. And I, out of nowhere, I just said to him, what's God? And he said, God is your dad standing next to you while you climb the jungle, jungle gym. 
you know, if you fall off the bottom rungs, you're going to get hurt, but you're not going to get too hurt. And that's okay. And he'll let you. But when you get to the top and you might kill yourself, uh, he takes some extra steps to make sure you don't. <laughs> I kind of think of leadership that way, which is, you know, like you said, fail fast, right? But if fail fast means literally you're ditching the plane, that's a bad idea, right? <laughs> so I, I think put, you can use fail fast at scale. Other <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, <laughs> so like don't fall off the jungle gym and kill yourself but off the bottom it's probably okay right you're, you're going to learn something in the process right and i think leadership is there to make sure you're not going sometimes completely off the deep end as has been said already yeah. but also and, and back to that fundamental question of trust i think you'll be okay if you make some mistakes and fix this this isn't catastrophic to know that i have that support that i'm allowed to go solve it and i might come up with something better but if I don't, I'm not going to get shot for it. That's a good, good thing for me. Well, you know, it goes to me, let's, let's talk, pivot a little bit and go to how do you ensure leadership happens in an agile organization? I mean, is it that you worry about principles and practices and culture? You worry about strategy and structure and process and people and technology? Is it a mix? Is it a whatever works best for you? Thoughts? Is it that you just make everybody listen to the basics deck and then you say we're done? Well, a, ba a basics deck. <laughs> An organization might have a basics deck, right? Or a way of presenting the fundamentals, right? So how do you make that work? How do you get leadership to buy into agility? Sometimes it's by showing them some examples of where it's really working within their own org which I think we've seen already here. Okay, Patrick. Well, I think going to your point about um, the, oh, what, what was the terminology is the principles and values. Principles, practices, and culture. Right, I, I, think, it's, I, I think it's a balance. I think it's the same thing of when we uh, first engage a team that wants to take on Scrum. It's gotta be um, equal parts principles practice or sorry principles and culture and then actual practices and actions and, and framework because the just like in a scrum team the the framework will give structure to the principles and practices that you need in order to get the best out of the framework it's it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing Teresa me and where they're at um it's my mantra from the years that i've been doing this is understanding the problems and pains that um individuals have at our leaders are no different than anybody else they they just see the world a little bit differently and by the world i mean our our corporate world the the, the business that we live in right so there are pains that they have. I, I probably wouldn't have a conversation with a leader about how to use velocity out of the gate. I would have a conversation with them about what keeps you up at night? What's your biggest worry inside of your organization? And really understand their perspective and what they're hoping to get out of their organization that they're not getting today. Yeah, a question I ask is at the end of every week, sorry, at the end of every day, week, and month, what question if you could get an answer to, would you ask that would tell you you're either okay or exactly where to go fix a problem? Because the cadences too are, are different. And if I can get that, if I can find out what those three questions are, I can help figure out, I could formulate 
a way of getting the answers so we know where to work or that we're okay. Well, and to that, that has to, you have to scale that. If you're talking about an organization as a whole, you have to be able to scale those questions. Yep. Because if you're dealing with it within a specific group, within a specific team, within a specific vertical, or, you know, how do you make that scale? Yeah, and in a way, good leaders are also great coaches. Right. Ooh, now that's, there you go, Patrick. Give me more on that. So uh, one of the ways that I identify a great coach is uh, great coaches have the ability to ask questions that give them that help help the ASCII, I guess, <laughs> uh, come to the best conclusion they could and become a better version of themselves while maintaining a stance. And so I think that um, by doing that, leaders can, leaders essentially ask those kinds of questions of the org itself. Like, mm -hmm. like what we were talking about earlier, like what, what question could I ask where if I got the answer, I would sleep easier at night, or I would at least know where the problem would be. Um, good leaders are always asking those questions of, you know, in a world where my org has this problem. You know, if you if you, if you want the if you want the voice in a world <laughs> where leadership has decided that it's okay to be wrong. Exactly. One of the VPs. One of the VPs at Microsoft was asked, "What keeps you up at night?" And he goes, "Me, nothing. I put my head down and I'm asleep." But there are, but there are a couple of things that wake me up real early. <laughs> but I, but I liked the sentiment, which is, you know, when I I get up early because I have a problem to solve, right? Like I've identified what it is and it's time to jump on it, right? As opposed to I stay up at night worrying about it, like forward action versus you know, depends. We're going to iterate on this. We're going to start a series and we're going to talk more. So we're at time. And that's the end of this iteration. I'm Brent. I'm Mark. I'm Patrick. I'm Teresa. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider. Shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Standup. Up.